Hey friends, so great to be back with you. I am in actually Cross Lanes, which I, I think is part of Charleston, West Virginia still, right? Absolutely. And I'm with my dear friend, Rich, Pastor Rich Sparks Canvas Church. I think we've known each other for four years now? Two. Oh, just two? Yeah, two years. <laughs> you know what's amazing about kingdom relationships is that it seems like when God connects people together. It seems like we've known yeah. each other a lot long. Is it two? I think maybe three. No? Yeah, it's about two, two and a half years, yeah. I, you probably know a little more accurate yeah. than me, but uh, we connected um, three years ago. God's knit our hearts together, yeah. and I'm in town this weekend, and I just felt like um, it'd just be really cool to have mm -hmm. you on. And uh, why don't you just tell us about Canvas Church, okay. how it got birthed, what God's doing mm -hmm. right now, what What's just on your heart? Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you for having us on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. The Lord has birthed kingdom uh, relationships and connections with us and and and, and brotherhood and, and developing things. And uh, Canvas Church, uh, my wife and I, we've been around ministry for going on close to 20 years now. We've done about anything wow. you can think of in ministry from international to youth pastoring, whatever you want to call it. We have done it all in ministry. <laughs> um, and uh, the, about five years ago, the Lord was really just um, beginning to speak to our heart. And it's been a process over the last decade of just, we've always felt extremely called to Charleston, West Virginia. Mm. Um, our heart and, and my heart is the Appalachian Mountains um, mm. and particularly Charleston, West Virginia, in West Virginia. And so about four years ago, we planted the church and the Lord is just doing great things here. We've become uh, more of a regional um, reaching church um, mm. that has that influence. And, and so, yeah, uh, the Lord's doing great things. Ken, I, I know we've talked about this many times in not a public way. Can you uh, talk about, because this just jumped out at me as you began to share, some of the paradigm shift you went through as a leader from planning a church mm. and then kind of shifting a little bit paradigms, DNAs of how, how yeah. you lead, how what takes place in the church. Can you, can you tell us about that? Because I know that you started yeah. kind of with one paradigm and then kind of as the Lord mm -hmm. was dealing with you, you switched into kind of something else. Yeah. Um, we had been trained uh, underneath a lot of um, uh, church planning paradigms, um, kind of your, your what people call seeker-sensitive out there. Um, and we were trained by the best, Dr. Owen Weston, and he's one of the guys that yeah. um, is responsible for four of the largest churches in, West, in America. And um, we were trained by the best, and, and, and we ran after reaching people at any cost. Um, that was kind of our mission. We, we reached people at any cost. Whatever it took, we, we got to reaching people. And, and so we were, our, our focus was always reaching people and, and seeing how fast we could grow. And, um, and can, you, then, can you just stop there? When you're talking about reaching people, yeah. how is that expressed in how you planted the church, yeah. how you led the church? And then, well, I'll let you go there, but I'm very curious as to, you started there, and then it became like a, a shift. Yeah. You know, what what how that shift was expressed. So let's start there. Just reaching people at any cost. What does that look like when you're planning a church, yeah. leadership team, things like that? Um, just basic things. We had four big events every year, mm -hmm. um, and there were big public um, events throughout the year. Or Easter, Christmas, uh, your summertime would slow down. We would do a big one around um, July, and then one in the fall. And it would always. And when you say big events, the focus is. 
drawing large crowds. Getting people in, getting them exposed to what you're doing Mm -hmm. as a community. Mm -hmm. So eventually they're going to come in on a Sunday morning. Okay. I just want to clarify that. You would bring them into something fun and then get them into the church. Yeah. Uh, Or you would do things like um, have a kids program that would fill in everybody with aunts, uncles, grandparents, and it would get them into the church and you would have a fun day. And then you would invite them back for, for an extended series for the next week to get them into the church. And the way that you'd always get them, I want to say, hooked into the mission of the church is that you would get them in the serving. And so we had quick growth track models um, that uh, within uh, a week or two of being in a growth track model, you would get them into serving. And if you could get them to fall in love with serving, they would get hooked into the church. Um, So the paradigm model that began to happen is that we were filling up seats. We grew um, 150 people in six months. We were extremely Mm -hmm. quick at what we were doing. And, and for me, what was happening was that I was always preaching outside the church away from pastoring in itself, and the Lord was using me in totally different ways of prophetic evangelism and uh, crusades internationally, and I felt like two different people. Um, I was one thing. I was seeing healing. I was seeing miracles. I was seeing uh, prophetic words shifting people. In your ministry outside of your own congregation. Outside of yeah. pastoring. And the Lord began to say, I never asked you to be two different things. Um, and I really want you to take the church back into um, prayer. Uh, we were a church that was creative but without prayer. We, and what I say by that was that we would creatively come up with ideals and then pray to ask the Lord to bless what we were doing. I, I want to pause too here because yeah. it's something you just said just really jumped out at me. First, when you were saying that and then you actually articulated it, yeah. that you you were building something you knew was from the heart of God. You yeah. felt you and your wife felt called to start this church. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I think this will be really clear. Obviously people know my ministry. They know your ministry. They know our approach. Mm-hmm. Those have been around us. I don't see anything necessarily wrong yeah. with that model. It's just not what God has called me to yes. do. I feel like God's given me a certain vision mm-hmm. and certain, um, uh, in a sense, what I'm called to do as part of the body of Christ in the world at large. But you have this call, you're going to plant this church. And so intellectually, mm-hmm. you're going, oh, these are models that have been taught, mm-hmm. that are that have been used, and they seem to draw a good amount of people when you mm-hmm. start a church. Yes. And so you apply these models, and this is just really jumping out to me, because I have seen this, and, and I'm not, not uh, I've seen this, this is an error I've made in my own life where you're like, oh, I'm called to do this. So you look at another model and the model's not bad. It's yeah. just not what God has called you to do. Yes. And, and if, I, if I can put language, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You went from mm. revelation to intellectual principle instead of allowing what God had birthed and like God, how, how God had made you. Yes your personality, and I believe this with all my heart, that the ministry that God has given us comes out of the personality, comes out of like how God has made us, our strengths, our weaknesses. And one of the biggest strengths I've learned to be fruitful, not only in our assignment, any area, but to be just a fruitful believer is you can only be what God's created you to be. Yeah. And so you're you're feeling like the square peg in a round hole, and I'll let you just jump off from there. You know, I already said that perfectly. Um, what it was was I was looking for the ideal of what I thought at the office of a pastor was. Ah. And that yeah. if this is what success is, and that's what we should do, 
and because I never, I, I, I had times of pastoring in the past, but this was it. You know, I'm pastoring, and I'd always been an itinerant preacher before. I'd always been right. a prophetic evangelist coming right, in, right, right, right. And so I was going after the ideal of what a pastor was, huh. uh, what I thought nurturing was, what I thought how to grow a church was, and didn't realize that I never asked God, "What do you want specifically for our church for this region?" And the one thing that I began to see wow. across this region that was not happening was that the the prophetic voice in this region was beginning to lift. Hmm. And here he called me as a prophetic evangelist yeah, type yeah, pastor yeah, yeah. to come in. And I was pushing away that DNA outside of myself to stand in something that I thought was pleasing uh, because it seemed to fill up the room. Um, but yet people's lives were not transforming. We were filling rooms up and not filling hearts up with Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And we were filling lives up. I mean, filling rooms up, but not filling lives up with Jesus. And the Lord really began. And even before we shifted into prayer, like in the sense of deep intercession prayer of our yeah. church, he actually shifted us into discipleship first. Hmm. Was how do we begin to disciple people and allow them to have the uh, the tools and the the moments. And the Lord was shifting our hearts of going into discipleship. And we hadn't got there yet. He shifted us then into prayer after the ideal of discipleship. And then after we got into prayer, he began to give us the right models, which now are beginning to shift across our state and our region huh. um, from, from guys that we are now connected with in West Virginia Prayer Lines. Wow. Uh, when you're telling that story, is there, in a sense, because if you go to 150 in six months, in a sense, obviously, growth is part of the early church. Yeah. Luke chronicles it in the book of Acts. So probably a lot of people are like, oh man, this, this church is gone. They're just, you're doing well. Was there a key moment though, that kind of you're, it, the only way I can say it is like um, a crossroads. You're like, yeah. I'm going to make a decision. We're going in that direction. Was there a moment? Was there a time that God spoke to you where you kind of like, I got to, we're going all in in this kind of value system. Uh, well, before a deep encounter with Jesus happened, what began to happen is the, is the brook dried up and nothing fun was working anymore. Mm. Everything that we was doing, even in the past six months, um, people weren't coming to the events anymore. Mm. And so it began to get my attention. And we had a leadership meeting one day and one of the elders in the church said, um, can I say something? And they said, hey, I came to this church because we knew who you were as a preacher and we came here not wanting to be comfortable, but yet we find ourselves being comfortable. Wow. And it rocked me. Whoa. Because I'd always been that revivalist guy. Whoa. And now all of a sudden I have elders saying they're comfortable in their lives, families comfortable. And we're Whoa. putting on a good production, but not really. And I remember forget him saying that he had a vision that we were putting forth uh, almost like an image like a Rite Aid or Walgreens would sell of like the plastic lawn Jesus that you put in your front lawn and and we were no longer putting forth the bloody cross bearing Jesus and where was Jesus really at and not just an image of wow. a fake plot and it rocked me hearing those words and I I began to literally begin to seek after the Lord after that of Lord what is the can, identity? can you just pause right here because yeah. I think this is like a, a moment like I just a lot of things stirring in me so an elder stands up and says this to you, so you said, I went to seek the Lord. And one of the things I've learned is um, it's so important to get feedback yeah. from people. And I have found that 
it is it is um, it is only in the ability mm -hmm. to receive feedback from people that will save your life. Yeah. And so the word of the Lord mm. comes to you yeah. and the humility and the positioning of a child comes to you. And then you, you kind of process that with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's that humility that I've learned is key moments in mm -hmm. our life. I remember one time the Lord told me many years ago and he said to me, uh, I was asking him about a question. I said, Come on. And, and I, at, up until that point I'd been used and, and partly because I think the Lord was trying to teach me right. like, I want you to lean into me for wisdom, but I'm asking the Lord, how am I going to do this? How am I going to, like, how am I going to execute this? How are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, the, the, the understanding that you'll need in this situation is not going to come yeah. with me and you. And I'm like, and, you know, not that I thought you, you think these questions and mm -hmm. immediately in my spirit, I hear him go, uh, because I'm going, why? And he says to me, he said to me, he said, because if I told you everything you needed to know, just me and you. Yeah you would not have a value for other people. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I and I remember uh 2 years ago I was uh, was praying for wisdom and and I remember I was standing in the back of the church interceding praying for this and the Lord said what if I send you wisdom through someone else? Will you receive Whoa. it? Whoa. Yeah. And shortly after that some very strong mature people began to show up in the church mm -hmm. um that I saw I mean they had been pastors and regional speakers and and they started coming into the church and the Lord said, there's the wisdom now. Are you going to listen? Wow. And and you're right. Uh, because a lot of times when we ask the Lord for those gifts, those things, yeah, yeah, we're like, yeah. no, no, Lord, I want it. I yeah, want yeah, it. Yeah. And he goes, well, what if I just send it to you to listen? Yeah. And that, that you're right because does our pride want to listen? Does, are we going to be humble enough to listen? And uh, well, well, here's the thing. I don't know. I, I, I think we've had similar journeys, but I'll let, you, I'll let you talk about it. I think, too— when someone comes to us mm -hmm. and maybe in, in our, one of our favorites, uh, Bishop Veron Ash, when he walked the earth, he said, it's, it, and I have this in my upcoming yeah. book, he said, it's only in the context of covenant that mm -hmm. you discover what's wrong with you. Yes. And I think like, let's say we're in community, we're walking, we have these elders in our life and we see flaws yeah. in people, but then yeah. they come to go, hey, Rich, you really had a bad attitude with your wife or something. I'm, you know, I yeah. actually personally, I never like to put that on anyone. Yeah. And then we're going, but, but I've seen this about your life. It, but the Lord's like, no, mm. do you have the humility to receive it from another weak vessel mm. that's going to elevate you yes. to a place of greater purity and holiness yeah. and purpose? Yeah. So <laughs> we talk about that a lot in our, in our discipleship and, and in my own life, I've I have asked people to oversee and speak into my life, and what we call it is blind spots. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, a lot of times we have singular focus looking, especially as leaders, we are goal oriented, and it's there's the goal we're going after it. Um, whereas, you know, the word says a, a three corded strand cannot be broken, and so when we ask people to partner with us to come into our life, mm -hmm. to where they're literally, you know. Uh, looking on our best behalf and then having a leader come in and say, Hey, I spiritually discern this as well. Yeah. And see the blind. It's like driving a car. It's like, you know, you may literally not see the car beside you because it's in your blind spot. And sometimes we don't see things about ourselves yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of times those blind spots, when we get rid of those things or take care of them, grow and mature, they elevate us into those places. And, and I just want to say this to you, Abner, is that during this journey, it was odd for 20 years of ministry, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. 20 years of ministry felt very lonely to me. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this for a reason. 20 years mm-hmm. of ministry felt extremely lonely to me wow. because I was in a striving sense. I was coming out of denominations that were extremely political. And, and, and I had the ability, I was in with everybody that was yeah. on the top. And I was striving my way to political boards. And, and at the end of the day, I felt really, I was associated with a lot of people, but not connected to anybody. And then all of a sudden, when this shift happened, not just in the church, but happened in me, the Lord began to bring divine connections that felt like brothers instantly. Whoa. And you're one of those people. Thank you. Instantly. And it was like when the Lord shifted the church, He shifted me. Mm. And the truth is, when He shifted me, He shifted the church. And there was this thing going on. And so now all of a sudden, like, I'm not, I'll never forget there was some things the Lord was doing in me. Man, I was resisting it. I was like, no, I don't want to write, write that forgiveness letter. <laughs> like, they did me wrong. I don't want to do that. You yeah. know? And I was like, I'm like, and so I, I had like this uh, uh, religious procrastination. <laughs> and I was putting it off. And I'll never forget you. Listen, this is just, you guys all know this is how Abner is. Abner texted me one night and I was in prayer. And he knew it was Monday night, always our prayer nights. And he said, hey, hey, Rich, you write that letter yet? And this is like three months after we'd had this discussion. And, and I said, no. And this is Abner's response. And this is the blind spot I'm speaking about. He said, if you're not going to write the letter, stop going through religious motions, shut the lights off, stop praying, and go home. And until you write the letter, <laughs> I didn't even remember that. until you write the letter, stop going through the motions. And let me tell you something. I wrote the letter. Wrote the letter, put it in the mail, and all of a sudden, is that two years later, Abner, a year and a half later, after writing the letters, I am seeing the Lord beginning to open up the doors because of that letter. Mm. And I just want to say to you, thank you. Mm. You saw the blind spot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I want to hit something yeah. that just jumped out at me, what you just said. And um, it's this, that you said... God changed me and then he began to change the church. And it goes to just something that I've been leaning into Lord, exploring, learning, trying to articulate as best I could. And it's that our internal reality mm. defines what's on the outside. Yes. Like, and this is why I think it's so important to know our identity, know who we've been made in the Lord, mm. because if there's like, an internal brokenness, not that we ever arrive, but if there's an internal brokenness or if we don't like ourselves, mm. we, we can say all I've, I've noticed. You can say, you can know the right things to say. Mm-hmm. You can know the right things to, to say, but if, if this is not correct, you project that and that's what you'll receive from life. Yes. And so I, it just jumped out of me. Like as I changed, I began to see the landscape on the outside of me change. And one of the things that I think is really important is that a lot of people, uh, or, or, or spiritual principle is definitely this, everything we see in our life mm-hmm. is defined by what we can't see yeah. in, with the natural eye. And so if so, so many times people are like, if I can just get more people in my church, if I get more money in my church, whatever it is, and they're always looking externals, externals, externals. Yes. If they get this part right, yeah. then what is on here begins to move out there. Yeah. And I, I just have found that to be true as I've learned the favor of God. I've, I've learned to lean into the favor of God. I've seen the favor of God. Yeah. And so I, I just think that's just something that just jumps out at me about your story. Mm. Um, tell me about, uh, you said you had a God encounter as well. Yeah. I know you have, you've had many, but what, what is, was there like, um, 
a significant encounter that shifted you into that, like in this process of kind of shifting paradigms or, yeah, or approaches as a leader? You know, one thing Abner, you're talking about the inside projecting out is that I, I think in, a, in, the, in the last 10 years, decade, we have made the wording relevant, extremely a big word, especially around ministry. We've got to be relevant in the culture. Mm-hmm. I'm finding this generation, it's not about you being relevant. Are you authentic? Mm. And authentic only flows out of the heart. It's not even intellectualized. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times we have made ministry so intellectualized and we're projecting it from our mind. We're being creative or even people are prophesying out of their soul and not instead of out of their mm-hmm. spirit. And so nothing changes. It feels good, but it doesn't shift. And so you're right. It does project out of this. And the Lord was doing a deep work inside of me of, of several different things. And I'm just, listen, fire has to be authentic. You cannot it's falsify true. fire. It's true. Yeah. You can't intellectualize fire. You can't create, you cannot advertise fire that's not there. And fire does internalize. And, and just to the encounters, what, what I, I never forget 20 years ago, I was 20, 22 years ago, I was around a church. I was a young, young man. And it was an evangelist came and he said, he said, young man, are you, you serving the Lord? I said, yes, sir. I knew I wasn't, but I said it. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. And he said, question is, are you on fire for the Lord? Yeah. And I stuttered, and I said, I don't know. And I want to say this. I, the Lord saved me. I'm doing all these things. I'm in ministry. I've been in ministry for 18 years. And then two years ago, I had this encounter with the Lord that I've thought about that man a lot, that I wish I could go back and say, I'm finally on fire for the Lord. Hmm. Not just I know him. No, I encountered him. And something shifted. His and what, what began to happen is two and a half years ago, I was in a service and they began to say for the next 30 days, I want you to pray that a Jesus revival will come to you. Mm. And for every day, for 30 days of my prayer life, I prayed, God, let there be a Jesus revival inside of me. Mm. All I know is nothing was changing. I was becoming more hungry. I was weeping more. I was crying before the Lord more. Mm. Um, and I'll never forget. He, say that one more time. Nothing was changing. Nothing was changing on the outside. Yeah. Nothing changed. I actually attended since the church dropped. Yeah, yeah. If anything, everything was getting worse on the outside. Yeah. And inside of me, something was going on. I was getting hungry. And, I, and, and so that was like November 2017. I, I, have, I have found that in pursuing the Lord. I, I've told this story many, many times, but yeah. even friends of mine, like when I made this choice yeah. at 24 years ago, almost 24 years ago, I think it is, that like, I'm going to know God. I'm going to spend yeah. time with God. I remember that, you know, I was thinking, I'm going to have my Benny Hinn moment like yeah. today because I've yeah. decided this. And it was like this choice I had to make every day. And you yes. still do. Yeah. But you got to make this choice every day. It was, it, it, there's no way around it. It was boring those first few days. Boring because I wasn't conditioned. I'll mm-hmm. just say it like that. But I think that, a key part of this, and especially for Americans, we want, Yeah. but you got to be, cons- I, I believe yeah. that when you're like, nothing on the outside is changing, yeah. yeah. you're staying the course, Yeah. and then it's opening up for, yeah. uh, you, you can finish your story there, yeah. Yeah, but you know what, Abner, if you think about the upper room, Jesus said, go into the, to the upper room and tarry, and then on the 10th day, the Holy Spirit came and filled the room. Whoa. The truth is, maybe he started filling the room when they shut the door on the first day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And the word baptismo means to be pickled, meaning they were changing like like cucumbers into pickles. Yeah. That's a process. Yeah. 
on the first day, nothing looked like it happened. Second day, third day. On the tenth day, something came and manifests on the outside that maybe started when they shut the door on the first day. Right. And and, and it's the pursuit of I when agree. you stay hungry, when you know that he's calling you. Listen, when there's an invitation and you have to drive somewhere, listen, you started the pursuit when you got in the car and went toward the invitation. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and, and just back to the story is that during yeah. that process of November and December. 30 went, days for Jesus yeah. revival in your heart. Jesus revival. Praying. Praying yeah. that. And I just want to encourage you, pray that. I'm telling you this, that invitation yeah. is still there. A Jesus revival. Listen, America needs a Jesus revival. Our nation needs yes, it. And I'm Lord. telling you, God started something to me two years ago Not that he's still continuing with revival to be burst out of our nation and in this world. Yep. And it's this Jesus revival. And I just want to say this, as we're praying this, this went on. And on January 6, 2018, I was at another meeting, same place where the initial word, pray for Jesus revival. I'm in this service. I just happened to be at the altar. I, wouldn't, I didn't even go to the altar. I happened to be up there. I was having to be a part of the altar. Uh, a man prayed for me, and I had an encounter with the Lord, and I began Whoa. to see Jesus' eyes for the very first time. Really? And I shook and I wept for weeks. I was, Did you go to the floor? What happened? Physical oh, I was on the floor okay. for an so hour this, and a half. I'm just, I always like the, the yeah. details. So this guy prays for you. You go down. Boom, you go into a vision of Jesus. I'm starting to see Jesus' face. Wow. And I'm not even seeing his face. All I saw was his eyes. Huh. And his eyes rocked me to where um, I felt unworthy to see them. I saw love in his eyes that I'd never seen before. I began to see the blazing fire. And mm. since then, I've seen it three other times. And I've prayed for other people. And my, when I've laid hands on them, I saw their, their, his eyes begin to happen. And I've seen other people literally stand as if fire is underneath them. Mm. And they're starting to scream, I see his eyes. Mm. And and the Lord began to just that and from that moment on around January sixth I was in a in a forty days of what year prayer is this? fast two thousand eighteen okay um you came shortly after that in like March wow. or something uh and I was in forty days I called the church it's funny when we do something we call everybody else to the table yeah yeah <laughs> I called the church to prayer and fasting and the funny thing was it was such a catch twenty two because I knew what the Lord was doing to me I invited everybody else in. I invited yeah. all the leaders in. I invited everyone in. And I opened the doors of the church for two, two hours a day. And we sought the Lord. And we just began to seek the Lord. There was my, and the greatest times when no one was in this room. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife would just literally lay on the floor. Wow. And I'll never forget one of the nights that we're laying on the floor. The Lord said, the more you weep over this ground, if you'll weep over the concrete in this place, I'll fill it up with the region. Wow. And... And then, like I said, shortly after that, you come into our life. You start speaking to us being a regional church. Uh, he's been multiple times. Every time we call things like that, it fills up regionally. Mm-hmm. You know. And I want to I want to pause here because yeah. I want you to pray as we land the plane on this broadcast. Yeah, we'll be back next week, but because yeah. we're not done here, I want you to pray because I believe that there's an impartation of mm-hmm. uh, not only people watching this. My desire uh, in my life for the people that have any sort of connection with our ministry is not just one day, not just two yeah. days, the long haul, yeah. live for eternity, be like David, serve the purposes of God for yeah. his generation. But I want you to pray for the people for grace mm-hmm. to walk out the purpose, to, to stay the course. Mm-hmm. And then just for an encounter, just encounters yeah. for the Lord. Yeah. And when we're praying for encounters, we're not saying you're going to have the same encounter as him, yeah. but we're believing God. We, I do believe that God, as we're broadcasting this has encounters yeah. for 
people. Yeah. And that, um, that I just want you to pray. And uh, let me just say this too. One of the things that we do on this broadcast and it's a principle I learned from Oral Roberts and it's this, there is no distance in prayer. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching this the first night it premieres or you're watching this Mm -hmm. six months after the broadcast, there is no distance Mm -hmm. in prayer. And I want to encourage you Mm -hmm. to create a point of contact whether it be on your computer screen, on your phone, whatever it is, just just say I'm here, and it's your place that you're. There's no power in whatever you're putting your hand on it, but you're saying, God, I'm putting this as a as a prophetic act that I know that you're going to meet me right yeah. here. Yeah. So, Pastor, just pray for the people, and I just agree with you. Jesus, I pray for every person that feels like there's more. There's just more. Uh, there's got to be more. I'll never forget when Bishop Ron asked preached that. There's got to be more. Lord, I pray, God, that that for every person, God, that has been having that sense inside them, they'll have the courage to take the step towards you. Lord, even if that means they've been doing everything routinely throughout their life, Father, give them the courage to go toward you. Father, I pray, God, for every fivefold ministry, God, apostles that are watching. You're in a a pastoral role, but the Lord is moving you into apostolic ministry, reformation over your area, and it's going to take getting the fear of the Lord out of you and the courage to move in it, and there's going to be encounter after encounter after encounter. Father, we pray for prophets' voices, God, to unlock in this season, Father, you Father, you said everything you do in this season, God, you do it first for the through the prophet. And so, Lord, we unlock the prophet's voice in this season, Lord. Evangelists, pastors, teachers, let them come unlocked even right now, Lord. And we just pray courage, God, that they will no longer be about the, the opinions of people, Lord, but they will please the Father. Mm-hmm. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. And I just pray, God, even, even beyond leaders, Father, just ones that are in the body of Christ right now, that, Lord, you are stirring hunger within them. And, Lord, I pray a Jesus revival back over the body of Christ again, that we become literally like Proverbs 4, that we get our gaze and our fix back on the mm-hmm. eyes and the face of Jesus Christ, that, God, in all these unprecedented times and the times that are confusing and the times where, God, there's opinions and noise everywhere, Father, Father, I pray that the fivefold in the body of Christ stands up with the words of Jesus flowing inside their mouth. Father, I pray, God, that, that our mouths will be branded like the coals of fire, Lord, and we will speak the voice of the Lord, God, in this area. So, Father, I just praise you, Lord. I, I, I just declare that, Lord, to stir up the hunger. And Lord, I just pray, God, that someone will have the courage to start praying, give me a Jesus revival, not in my region, not in yep. my church, but, Lord, inside of me. Conquer me before you conquer the city. And God, you'll conquer the city if you do that. So Father, we just pray, Lord, send that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just declare that there's people watching this that you will have encounters with Jesus. And just what yeah. he said, there's a domino effect happening that as you encounter the Lord, as he has greater dominion in your life, your city, your region, your family, your church community will begin to be affected. And as Pastor Rich prayed, I just saw a baptism of fire. I saw Mm. an angel of fire. I see Jesus putting his hand of fire and love on you. And I just bless you. I command and I release the fire of God, the visitation of God. I just declare wherever you are in your kitchen, your home, your office, fresh release of the fire Mm. of God fire for service, fire to know him, most Mm. importantly, to know the beauty of the Father, Son, and Holy Mm. Spirit. And anyone watching this, sickness and disease, 
go, oppression, go, deliverance, come, freedom to your mind, come, and we bless you to receive that in Jesus' name. Mm. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Mm. We will be back next week. It's been an anointed time, and we just expect an increase in the next broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Yeah.